it's Father's Day. So this next short clip is like a tribute, um, just a reminder, uh, an emphasis on Father's Day. So um, I, well, I think this one's good. You'll, you'll like this. So happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Uh, kids, be nice to your parents today, uh, especially. And uh, here we go. Father's Day tribute. Dad, do you love mom? I do. How much? Gobs and gobs. Dad, mm -hmm. do you love my brother? Connor? <laughs> I do. How much? Gobs and gobs. Dad, mm -hmm. do you love God? Yeah. How much? Gobs and gobs. Dad, uh -huh. do you love me? Hmm. Dad. <laughs> I do. How much? Um. I already know. Gobs and, and gobs. Dad. Mm -hmm. How much is a gob? Hmm. Well, let me put it like this. Your favorite color is yellow. And when you eat those Nutter Butter cookies, you always scrape the peanut butter out of the middle and you secretly feed it to the dog because you think the dog deserves a treat too. At nighttime, I know before you go to bed, you always pull your Barbies all together because you don't want them to be lonely. And sometimes when you get a little nervous, you bat your eyes like this. They get really, really, really fast. But when you're happy and when you're excited, you always twirl your hair right beside your ear and you love your mama's red earrings and you always seem to eat your green beans one at a time. <laughs> you see, my love, I notice you and I love being your daddy and I will always be here for you even on your best days, maybe on your worst days, your daddy loves you and will always be here for you. And that, my dear, that's what a gob is. I gob you too, Daddy. Hope you enjoyed that clip. I love the skit guys. I think they do a really good job and uh, it's always fun to see their perspectives and the work they put into those clips. Uh, again, it's Father's Day, so happy Father's Day. Um, this can bring up bad memories, good memories. It can trigger things. All kinds of emotions can go all over the place and there's no way we can cover all of those aspects. Um, so what I want to do is try to bring some encouragement in this message to say, hey, um, there's a way to look at this Father's Day thing uh, in, a, in a really neat way and realize that our Heavenly Father is a real father. If our earthly fathers were great, fantastic. If they were bad, I'm sorry. That, that's not the way it's supposed to go. If they were absent, I'm sorry. Um, it's, it's not easy. So let's, let's dig in. And uh, I want to I wanna begin with this, because I know a lot of uh, men tend to struggle with shame issues, embarrassment, for, forgiving themselves, those kinds of things. And I found this, this um, uh, new serenity prayer. And again, it doesn't make the old one bad. It just means that there are different lenses out there. And this particular 
way of praying this is brilliant. And it's not just for fathers, but I'm just using it as a Father's Day one because I, I think it's really, really good. It goes like this. God, grant me the serenity to stop beating myself up for not doing things perfectly. The courage to forgive myself because you have already forgiven me. The trust to believe your love will change me. And the wisdom to know that you already love me just the way I am. Yeah, that actually applies for everyone. Love that. This is a great launch into our, our message. So I want to talk about faith. Um, often we talk about faith of our fathers, you know, the, the big historical biblical list of all those uh, individuals that were considered people of great faith. And then we take a look at the list and go, wait a minute, they had sketchy lives. Why are, they, why are their names on this? Well, exactly. That's the point. Um, it, it has to do with, it's not so much about your behavior, so to speak, or really poor choices or good choices. It's how you live as faith and respond to the faith given to you. So what is it? Uh, is it blind faith? Some people say, well, faith is blind. You just, you just hope, hope, hope. Well, that's not what it is. Sometimes people say, I'm going to take a leap of faith. I don't think I'd want to jump into that hole. Or maybe I would. Who knows? Depends on how hot it is. But what is faith? Is it, is it just, uh, and actually it's kind of true, it's, there's some hope that there's goodness there, right? Which is good. But what is faith? Is it praying really hard for your puppy? Praying really hard for this job? Praying really hard for... Um, Whatever it is you're praying for, and just go, please, 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 please. And some people think that is what faith is. It's like mustering up faith in your own self-effort. That is not what faith is. I hope some of you will be surprised by what you hear today on what faith really is. Let's dig in. Hebrews, I'm going to read from uh, several translations because I think it'll help lay a groundwork for what it is from the message translation i like this so we're going to read three different translations on what faith is the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in god this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living i i thought that was really cool and one more time the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. I thought it was cool. From the New Living Translation, this will sound more familiar if you've grown up in church in any kind of way or have read Hebrews. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in old, sorry, in days of old, earned a good reputation. So, this is this is about evidence, right? Uh, we hope for it, but we cannot see the factual evidence yet. But there's something that gives us hope, and that's called faith. I love this. Now, here comes the best one from the Passion Translation. I love this one. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality. And becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. This testimony of faith 
is what previous generations were commended for. Whew, faith brings our hopes into reality? We all have hopes. Well, maybe they're tied together, like tied at the hip. Maybe they're linked together somehow. So when we have hope, we have faith. This, this is a concept that we need to consider. There's more and more in Scripture than we realize on this particular topic. And uh, listen, as a father, I had faith. I had hope. Hope would be a better word, but from what we're seeing in these definitions, that they're almost the same. And I had a hope for my kids. I, I hope the best for them. I hope for their that they do well in school, that they grow up healthy, that they don't get hurt, that they find a career, that they, like, the list is insane for the hope we have. I hope I did a good job as a dad now, um, as, as the kids are heading into college and university, or, or the last one is now. It's like, it, it's almost kind of scary. It, this is the, probably the first Father's Day I've had to ponder did I do a good job or not? Like, it, honestly, it, you just start to think, man, I see so many other parents doing so many other things for their kids, and I haven't been able to, or it didn't work out in my situation, so now you're looking over the fence. Oh, I didn't do that. Okay, that's a whole different shame game. But that's, I've been wrestling with that, and it's, that's a real one. But that's not what truth is, and i gotta, I got to be careful and trust the Holy Spirit to guide my family and, and my kids. And, and he's, in tr he's got their future in their hands. Now, three young men. Hmm. Why is this story part of Father's Day? Well, when I made a connection to what happened at the beginning of the story, how these three came to be where they are, I realized, ooh, this, this is really good. So we have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are three guys. Actually, Daniel was with them as well, um, but not in this. They, Daniel wasn't for this story, but Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all came. They were taken from Babylon um, as slaves to be uh, trained and taught in the ways of Babylon to become leaders, to show the other slaves that are going to come later and they're going to use their own Jewish people to lead them. It's very tricky, very clever. But here's what's sad. These guys were ripped away from their own father. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were taken from their homes. And so on their way, if we look back in the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel had determined in advance to not give up hope in their God, okay? Where did they get this teaching from? From their father, from their mother, from their parents. This is about a heritage of a faith that's been laid and examples must have been good, I'm assuming, because they were determined to not give that up. And so here comes the time when they're confronted with bowing down to this great golden statue. And if they didn't, they'd be thrown in the fire to burn. Well, they said, we're not doing this. Not a chance. So here's what happened. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king Nebuchadnezzar. Your threat means nothing to us. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> would you say that to your king? Holy smokes. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything else you might cook up, O king. But even if he doesn't, this is the part I like best. Even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference, O king. We still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the solid, uh, the gold statue you set up. 
It may be that he delivers us from the fire or he may deliver us through the fire, but either way, we're going to trust in him. Oh, can you, can you imagine the gall and the audacity to speak this boldly to a king, the one that you're going, you're being trained to serve and, and lead other people to worship the, well, reign under this king. That's what's going on here. Now, here's the cool part. They said, even if he doesn't. Now, how does this fit in with faith? Well, I, I think here they are yielding and surrendering the outcome to God. They have a hope that they'll be okay, but they're giving the outcome to God. And there's probably doubt in there too. They don't know. They've never experienced this before. It's never happened before and it's never happened since. So what are the chances? So faith, being a person of faith, also includes doubt. <laughs> doubt is not a sin. Even questioning or not being sure. Now, what, what drives me nuts is when people say, I have faith that God told me. And it's like, wait a minute. God told you? You're going to play that card? You're going you're gonna to play that trump card of, of um, don't tell me what to do anymore because God told me. Well, that's pretty arrogant to communicate that because then there's zero conversation room. What if God tells somebody else something different? Which God's right? <laughs> like, I think there requires a lot more humility in the Christian church today when it comes to strong-arming people with God-told-me language. I don't think there's room for it. There are other better ways to communicate. Here's what I sense God's telling me. This is kind of what I'm seeing. Um, uh, you may have a strong, strong conviction, and that's where you've come from, but you don't realize all the contributing factors that may have led you to that belief. But here we've got a clear contributing factor that came to the belief of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was their parents, their heritage, their history, their family. There was an influence there. You are always influencing your family. And that's really important to remember. To confidently walk in God's will for your life, the only thing you need to do is trust him. That's sometimes hard to do. How do we trust God? Faith is nothing more or nothing less than looking at things through the lens of confidence in God and his word. Wow. Faith is nothing more or nothing less than looking at, at things through the lens of confidence in God and his word. Now, some people will mistakenly put in confidence in the word of God. That's not what this quote is. This is about confidence in God. The Word of God, capital W, is Jesus. Okay, The written, what we call Word of God, the Bible, these are written texts that have been interpreted many ways from many people, created many denominations, 45,000 around the world at least. Like So be careful with strong-arming people with even phrases like the Bible plainly says. This is where faith comes in. This is where humility and love, if your faith doesn't generate love for others, then your faith is lousy. Okay? That's not a faith generated by the Holy Spirit. True faith generated by the Holy Spirit will lead to becoming more loving. You may have some work to do. You may have a ways to go. I sure do. I have much work to do. But I also look back in my life and realize, wow, I was pretty judgmental. Uh, didn't know, really realize it, or I was flat out wrong about stuff and people, and God's given me a new tenderness for certain people and people groups, and you name it. Like it, 
It's unbelievable. This is what faith does. Faith is a gift. Let's keep going. Galatians 2.20. This is a big one. This is where I want to focus on faith is not something we muster up. Um, it's not up to you. Um, this particular translation of Galatians 2.20 comes from the King James Bible. And it says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by, here it is, the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself to me. Why is this one so important? Listen carefully. If you've grown up in the church in the last 30, 40 years, most of us will have heard, if you, especially if you weren't part of the King James Bible group, um, you'll have heard uh, this translated in, I live by faith, I live by faith in the Son of God. The emphasis is I. I live by faith in the Son of God. Here it says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The emphasis totally changes. And they got it right in the King James. And the new, newer translations are getting it right again. They're correcting that error. Which means the faith you and I have is not even our own faith. It's been planted there. It's a gift given to us. Any faith you and I have is a gift given to us by God. <laughs> so maybe we can stop telling people you need to have more faith. If you've been saying that to your kids or your spouse or somebody else that is having a hard time believing, stop saying that. It is so unhelpful. More faith? How do you get more faith? You can't. Faith grows. Okay, The measure of faith that we've been given as a gift, that can grow. So to say you must have more faith, nah, that's a guilt trip, a shame trip if you're performance driven. But it's false, and I think we need to shift course and rethink how we speak about what faith is and uh, encouraging others in their faith. I love this. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Okay, there's a lot in this. To him was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think Let's stop there can you think big thoughts can you dream big dreams can you have much hope yes you can and so can i but now we surrender to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all much more than we can ask or think of according to this is the best part the power of god that's already in us so faith is trusting the power of life and love already in us the problem is most people don't believe the love and power of God is already in them or in others. <laughs> Imagine what would happen if we saw everyone as people who were possessed by the love and power of God. They may not know it, but what if the love we do know, we speak to the love in the other people and it inspires and, and lights a spark? <laughs> Imagine. 
See, perspective does matter. <laughs> I love this from Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. So there's a hope here again. The word hope is powerful. I love that Hope Fellowship is called Hope Fellowship. It's, it's a softer, warmer word than some of the other church names I've seen. Uh, you know? I, I love it. It, it. it kind of is like a, a mission statement that we're here to inspire hope, to give hope to others. I think that's amazing. Again, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we do affirm. So how much hope do you have? Is there anything that you can affirm? Is your life gone so badly you, you, you almost have given up all faith, but there's still just Jesus? I've met a lot more people in the last probably five to ten years uh, who have have almost come to the end of their faith, but they just couldn't let go of Jesus, just Jesus. Okay, all this other stuff, I don't know anything about. The doctrines, I don't know anything about. Whether Jesus came as a man, blah, 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 I just don't know, but Jesus, that's all I know. I, something tells me that Jesus is all I need. That is the purest place to live, purest place to be. Stop fighting about being right in doctrine. And the ones who are the most insecure are the ones who fight the hardest. That's right. So stop arguing. <laughs> it's pretty neat. Faith. Faith is seeing light with your heart when all your eyes see is darkness. That's cool. I love that thought. Like, again, there's multiple thoughts. It's like we're creating a canvas of art to define what faith is. And there isn't a single absolute clear definition. There are definitions. But when we start to put more perspectives together, it starts to make a pretty neat image. I, I, I think it's amazing. Another definition of faith. Again, I'm not being absolute here. But when the Greek word is translated as pistis, here's what the word pistis means. It means conviction, confidence, trust, belief. Oh, imagine that. Faith, belief, same thing. Did you, oh, oh, did you see that? Faith, belief, same thing. Reliance, trustworthiness, and I love this one, and firm persuasion. <laughs> wow. Firm persuasion. I love that. It is Christ that compels us. Christ that persuades us, convinces us, convicts us. What does conviction? People, we've, we've talked about this before. Uh, maybe it's time to address it again. But the idea of, of does God convict us of sin? No. He does not convict us of sin. Because when we take a look at what the word convict means, it means to convince. He's not trying to convince you of sin. He's convincing you of your royalty, of your identity, of your forgiveness, convincing you of your holiness so that you then will see what was done as behavior that doesn't reflect the life of Christ and go, that's not the real me. He's not He's not convicting you of sin. He's convicting you of your righteousness. Oh my goodness, that's so different than what we grew up being taught. <laughs> wow. In Galatians, verse 5, uh, verse 6, the second half. And this is talking about what is important. 
and I love this. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. That's from the New Living Translation. The New American Standard Bible says, but faith working through love. Young's literal translation, which is word-for-word -word translation, but faith through love working. The message translation says, what matters is something far more interior, faith expressed in love. I love the mirror. Mere translation by Francois. Love sets faith in motion. It begins with love, not faith. It begins with love. He loved us first. <laughs> Just like we say we, we shouldn't tell people you need to have more faith, in the same way we should not be using phraseology like you need to love God more. Oh my goodness, that's like crazy self-effort. You can't love God more. You can only respond to his love. And that response is just natural. You don't have to do anything for God. But when you receive and believe by faith, the insane love of God towards you, your life will change. There will be a difference. I kid you not. The all-time wonderful definition of love and faith where it all fits together comes from 1 Corinthians 13, usually read at weddings, sometimes at funerals. I love to read this at funerals because I think it, it is a beautiful text and a great reminder. But listen to what is written here by Paul. If I could speak in any language, in heaven or on earth, but didn't love others, I would only be making meaningless noise, like a loud gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I knew all the mysteries of the future and knew everything about everything, but didn't love others, what good would I be? Pause there for a minute. How many people do you know that know everything about everything? They're always right. I, I'll be careful what I say with this, but honestly, there are know-it-alls. And I've been accused of knowing it all, which clearly anybody that knows me knows I don't know it all. But... I'm confident of what I do believe and know until I'm shown something different. That's where my confidence comes. But here, if I'm not loving, big deal. Like, you can be the smartest person in the world. So what if you're not loving? And if I had the gift of faith, I love this. If I had the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move without love, I would be no good to anybody. And if I gave everything I have to the poor, even sacrificed my body, I, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I'd be of no value whatsoever. Are you, are you getting the point here? There's something about love. There's something about, okay, let me show you what it's not about. Uh, have you ever heard people say, I'm just speaking my mind. This is just I, I, this is just what I believe, and they they just spew it out. I'm speaking in truth. I'm trying to, I'm I'm trying to just telling you the truth. Ooh, when you have that attitude, cringe and run. If you're one who speaks like that, repent, change your mind, stop talking like that. You're you're revealing a faulty belief system when you speak like that in arrogance. 
It just is. Because without love, are you known for your rightness or for your love? Uh, there are people I know that are so good at Bible memorization. They have every verse memorized for the right argument. They know exactly where everything is. And they've got their context web all figured out. And there's no chance anyone could ever come into an argument. They love having debates. They're strong debaters. And there's nothing wrong with debating. But when it's about being more right than others, and again, this is all in context, um, and you're not loving, all your knowledge is useless. Give me somebody who doesn't understand a single bit about the Bible over somebody who thinks they know everything. Because I think Jesus even confronted that. He says, you know the scriptures and yet you don't recognize me. He goes on and on. So what is love? Love is patient and kind. <laughs> okay, that one's big. Patience? I have much to learn by that way. And even kindness. Sometimes I can seem unkind, especially when I'm driving. Love is not jealous or boastful. Wait a minute. Do we get jealous of other people? Do we get jealous of other people's knowledge? Do we get jealous of other people's, hey, they're actually loving people. I'm jealous of that. Does that ever happen? Love is not boastful or proud or rude. Ooh, now we're getting, now we're getting to nitty gritty. This is, again, this is, this is often read at weddings, but it's not supposed to be the to-do list. It's the get-to list. You say you love one another, this is what it's supposed to look like. And when we get off kilter, and I've been married 30 years, and there are definitely times where I have not expressed love in these way, or in, in the right way. I've, I've shown rudeness and, and jealousy and pride. And, but when I see this, it brings me back to reminding, back to a center of, wait a minute. I do love my wife deeply and I'm not expressing it right. And it's a really great course correction. So you should be reading this a lot. At least I, I need to love does not demand its own way. Ooh, that one's hard. We always want our own way. Don't we? <laughs> we, we don't want to be controlled. Love is not irritable. Ugh. I'll move on really quick. <laughs> that one's hard. But usually irritability comes from failed expectations. That's right. Impatience. If I want to do one, uh, something on a certain day and suddenly somebody else crashes my calendar, it's like, what? I'm irritable. It's not going the way I planned. It's very difficult. But love will bring peace, patience, and kindness. It keeps no record of when it has been wronged. How many times do we fling mud back at those we argue? Yeah, but you used to do that. You still do that. And we just, we just keep slamming hard with the record of wrongs. But listen, Jesus doesn't do that to us. He keeps no record of wrongs. This is a beautiful description of our absolute complete forgiveness, if you haven't noticed it yet. It is never glad about injustice. Things like we're hearing in the news today terrible things. Does your heart cringe or do you quickly turn the channel because ugh, there's always something? Well, hang on. You're human and divine. You're, you're one with God. You're not God, okay? Don't play that game. But you are one with God. 
and you are in God. God's in you. So here, it's never glad about injustice. It rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Are we able to do that? Are we able to say, hey, the love of God is there through every circumstance? I hope so. Uh, I, I need that confidence. I need that hope. Galatians 3, 22 to 26, this is what we're going to wrap up with. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up under the, uh, until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came. We might be justified by faith. Now, this, now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all, all, all children of God through faith. And that faith has been given to you as a gift. Well, happy Father's Day, everyone. I hope you enjoyed our time together today and I hope the message was encouraging to your heart. Uh, I invite you to uh, join the Zoom call that was emailed. The link was emailed uh, this week. Uh, so please join into that. And uh, I, once again, thank you for those that make your uh, monthly, weekly, annual support, however often you do. Every single bit matters. We'll catch you next week. Thank you again and happy Father's Day to all the fathers. <laughs>